Are you glad this morning that Jesus lifted you? It is a glad morning. We are continuing our series titled Relational Wisdom. Because we all need a little bit of wisdom in our relationships, don't we? If you have a Bible, please turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 17. We're going to be looking at verse 9. Book of Proverbs, chapter 17, verse 9. We're going to, King Solomon is going to give us some wisdom for our relationships. Proverbs, chapter 17, verse 9 says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. To cover an offense is to forgive. And King Solomon tells us to forgive is to seek love. So what makes it hard for you to forgive? What makes it hard for you to cover an offense? When someone has hurt you deeply, what gets in the way of forgiveness? See, if you have been a Christian for a while or you've been reading your Bible for a little while, you have most likely been given godly advice to forgive the person who wronged you. And deep down, we know that forgiveness is a good thing. But if we're honest with ourselves, it's extremely hard for us to do. We see forgiveness as something that is unfair. It almost feels like we're getting hurt all over again. You see, if I let the person off the hook that just hurt me, it would just cause more hurt and pain. See, this is why forgiveness is so hard. This is why we need relational wisdom. Because as soon as we talk about forgiveness, we ask this, we ask, but what about justice? Does forgiveness mean that we don't pursue to make things right? You see, if this is something that God is calling us to do, and I think it is, see, he would give us wisdom for every hard situation we face, even in our messy relationships. See, I'm convinced that the only way we can truly release the debt or counsel to that, to forgive, is to first know how much God has forgiven us. To know that God first sought to love us and cover all of our offenses. So the title for today's sermon is The Wisdom of Forgiveness. You see, King Solomon, who was considered one of the wisest men on earth, the one thing that he asked for God, he prayed and he asked God for wisdom. He knew, he understood that we were, as we as people, as human beings, that we would have other people in our lives that will hurt us. That will cause pain, either from their words or from their actions. But we can apply wisdom to that hurt through the journey of the pain that we're on. You see, each and every one of us has been hurt by someone. 
or we have been the one that's causing the hurt and the pain. So are you the victim or are you the victimizer today? See, each and every one of us is on a path of wisdom and we need to be instructed along this path as we're confronted with the pain that is caused by the people around us. Consider this a part two from last week's sermon on conflict. See, this is where we're going today. Lesson than one, we're going to embrace the wisdom of God through the forgiveness we have in Christ. And then the lesson two, our forgiveness of others, it puts on the display the wisdom of God. So lesson one, embrace the wisdom of God through the forgiveness we have in Christ. See, Proverbs tells us that to seek love is to cover an offense. See, this is what God has done for each and every one of us if we have put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. You see, we have to start vertically before we begin to look horizontally at each other. You see, the most vital reality for every Christian is not to feel forgiven, but to be forgiven. See, many of us, if we're honest, struggle with feeling forgiven. Rather, if you've been a Christian for 60 years or one year, we all struggle with, the, with feeling forgiven. See, Proverbs 17, it's not just practical wisdom for us to follow, but it lifts us into the very heart of God. See, God's heart is to cover all of our offenses because he is love. This is what God does. See, God is in the business of forgiving sinners like you and me. You see, if we climbed into the very heart of God, what we will find, we will find everything that is pleasant and good. We will find mercy and grace, forgiveness that will cover this whole world twofold. See, I know you guys miss Exodus. How many of you guys miss the, the series that we've been doing in Exodus? You see, in Exodus chapter 33, Moses asked God, he, he, he prayed, he said, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. And God passed by him, proclaiming his name. His name, he says, the Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, for keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who by no means will clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Is that your God this morning? Or do you have a God that is stingy and tight-fisted, quick to anger, and abounding in steadfast vengeance? If he does forgive sin, he hangs it over your head, making sure you never forget it. See, church, this is not the God we love and serve, is it? Our God is a, is a kind God as kind as the morning sun. His love is as deep as the ocean. Take a look at what Psalms 86 verse 5 says. He says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. See, God does not hoard his forgiveness like a, a, a cheapskate dad, like me. All right? 
His heart is always open to every sinner who needs forgiveness. Take a look at Psalms 130. He says, if you, O Lord, shall mark iniquities, O Lord, who can stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. See, God seeks to shower us with his love by forgiving all of our sins. Think about this for a moment. Forgiveness means that you don't get what you deserve. See, each and every one of us deserve the very wrath of God because of our sin. And because God is unfair, we have hope. You see, instead of fairness, you get someone who is daily serious about sin, about all the wrongs that's committed upon him. We have a God that is a God of forgiveness and a God of justice. See, Psalms 103 puts it this way. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. See, wisdom is to wake up knowing that this is your God. To know and to be dependent upon him. To know that, this, that his opinion is the only opinion that matters. He is good, even where we are not. But he has sought us with his love and has covered over all of our offenses. You see, Psalms 103 says that his forgiveness is as wide as one end of the universe to the other. Let that sink in. See, God does not deal with us according to our sins. He keeps no record of wrongs. He holds no grudges. God would never repay us for our offenses. He isn't keeping score. How do we know this is true? Because in Christ, God removes all of our guilt and shame. You see, Jesus is that superhero in the movies that, that swoops in takes the bomb, and then flies out of outer space. And the bomb is never to be seen again. That's what Jesus did with our sin. He swoops in and takes our sin away as far away as possible that we can possibly comprehend or imagine. See, the wisdom of forgiveness is on full display at the cross of Jesus Christ. See, the cross makes it possible for God to forgive all of us without compromising his justice and his wrath. See, God is simultaneously a God of love and a God of wrath. God hates sin. I don't want you guys to lose sight of that. God hates being wronged. He doesn't like being sinned against. He doesn't like when we are selfish and rebellious. You see, as Christians, we need to be reminded of this truth. That at the cross, we see on full display God's justice. You see, he punished sin and he forgave sin. Once and for all at the cross. You see, if you are sitting here, you have turned away from your sin. You have put your trust in Jesus Christ as your saving your Lord. The Son of God died in your place, taking the full penalty for your sin. 
and setting you free. And God would never again bring up your sin. This is good news, isn't it? See, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, let me ask you, what are you doing with your guilt? What are you doing with the shame of your guilt? You realize that you are guilty before God. And the only way that you can be made right with God is not by your good works. It's not by you being nice enough. Niceness will not get you into heaven. You know what Jesus is in the business of doing? He's not in the business of making people nice. He's in the business of making people new. And the only way that you can become a new creation is through faith in him. So let me plead with you to turn away from your sin and put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ and let him transfer you from darkness to light, from death to life. Be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Allow him to be your savior today. Everyone here, consider this for a moment. If something happened right now that exposed your sin, if something happened right now that reminded you that you are the most guiltiest person on earth, would that move you towards God or away from God? You see, the way you answer that question um, will help you understand if you truly understand that you are forgiven that you truly understand what Jesus did for you at the cross. You see, if it makes you want to move away from God, you haven't quite grasped the truth of what the blood of Jesus can do. See, what can wash away all of our sin? What can make us whole again? Oh, precious is the blood that cleanses us and makes us new. There's power in the blood. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. You see, when the enemy brings up your sin, we don't stop praying. We don't stop coming to church. We run towards the cross. We run towards the Father. Just like the prodigal son. Right? He he realized, he came to his senses, and he realized that how much food does those servants have? And he comes up with this plan that I'm going to become a servant. I'm going to serve my father. I'm going to pay off my debt. And what does that father does? He said, no, you're not a servant. You're a son. And he puts a robe around him, a ring on his finger, and he kills the fatted calf. That's the God that we have. You see, running away just reveals that we don't quite understand what Jesus did for us at the cross. But if you do understand... You see, I hope when we, are, when we are confronted with our sin, when, we're, when we are confronted with our guilt, our inner dialogue changes. Your prayer would sound like, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm guilty, but I know you love me. I know that your son is my savior. I know that he died in my place. I realize now how much I am desperate for your love and your mercy and your forgiveness. You see the difference? Our new discoveries of sin in our lives, our weaknesses, our imperfections, the shame, the guilt would drive us towards wisdom and not away from wisdom. Towards Jesus, because he is our wisdom. There's no greater love to know that your sins are forgiven. 
The cross of Jesus Christ provides not only the motivation for us to forgive others, but the model for how we can forgive others who have wronged us. That brings us to lesson two. Our forgiveness of others puts on display the wisdom of God. Christians are the most forgiving people in the world. Therefore, we should be the most forgiving people in the world. Is that true about you? Are you the most forgiving person in the world? I don't want us to to overlook our direct relationship between God's forgiveness to us and our forgiveness to each other. See, Proverbs 17, verse 9 says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. And we said to cover an offense is to seek love. Our desire is not to separate friendships, but to bring friendships together. You see, forgiveness always has to do with restoration. Restoring what is broken and bringing people back into the community, into the fellowship. Jesus in the gospel, he gives us two directives or or two stages that we can look at forgiveness. Two aspects of forgiveness. The first was in Mark 11, verse 25. Jesus says this, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who's in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. What is Jesus teaching us here? Jesus is calling for forgiveness that happens right on the spot. Forgiving someone in your heart and before God. It's important to remind that as we read Mark 11, verse 25, that is not teaching us that God's forgiveness is based upon our forgiveness to each other. It's not a condition to our forgiveness of others. Rather, it means that unforgiveness reveals that you don't quite understand how much you have been forgiven. You haven't accepted God's unmerited grace and forgiveness towards you. You see, it's the story of the unforgiving servant. You guys remember that in in Matthew 18? Peter goes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how much, how many times did I forgive my brother? Seven times? And Jesus says, no, not seven times, but seven times seven. Do the math. Seven times 70, actually. Do the math later. (laughs) What, What Jesus is saying, what Jesus is saying is there's no limit. Peter was looking for a limit. Jesus is saying there's no limit to forgiveness. And then he, he tells him this story about a king who had a servant. And the servant owed him a whole lot of money. It says 10 talents. If you're wondering what is 10 talents, uh, think about one talent is a yearly wage. So think about how much you make in a year and times that by 10. That's a lot of money, right? That's Jesus' point. This is a lot of money. And he owes him. And he says, they go ahead and, and sell him, sell his wife, sell his children so that that can be paid. The man falls on his knees and he pleads with Jesus. He says, please, I will pay you back. Please forgive me. Have mercy on me. And the king had compassion and forgave him all of his debt, All of it. And he set him free. All of that money That whole debt was canceled. And then he goes off and he finds another servant that owed him some money. Bible said a hundred denarii. A small amount of money. 
like three pay- paychecks, three months of paychecks, right? And then the point Jesus is saying is that it was a smaller debt than what he owed the king. And guess what he did? He choked him out. Pay me my money. The other servants are watching this and they report back to the king what just happened. And the king was angry. And he sentenced him to prison until he could pay back his debt. Then check out at the very end. Jesus says this. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt in verse 35. So also my heavenly father would do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. See, Jesus is, we just, we just talked about this, that God has forgiven us of all of our sin, all of our debt. Your debt was huge, church. Your sin was great, but God's love was greater. He had compassion on you and forgave you. And he's saying that we should forgive one another. You see, what frees us from the desire for revenge? What frees us from the anger of when someone hurts us and, and owes us? See, it's the wisdom of seeing yourself as equal deserving of condemnation. See, how do we live out the wisdom of God? See, I think Mark eleven twenty five 25 shows us. It teaches that, that we should forgive from the heart. That the first directive from Jesus, this first stage, if, it, if it's left alone, if we're just forgiving from the heart and we're not pursuing reconciliation, if we're not pursuing justice, it falls short of true forgiveness. Because it, it makes us wonder, what about the offender? What about the person that just hurt me? Do they just get away freely? We begin to see a fuller picture of wisdom and forgiveness when we pursue justice, when we pursue reconciliation. Take a look at what Jesus teaches about forgiveness in Luke 17. He says this, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. What is Jesus teaching? Jesus is teaching us to pursue reconciliation. He says, when your brother sins, rebuke him. Go towards him. Tell him his faults. If he repents, forgive him. I believe this is the second stage, the second aspect of forgiveness. So first aspect is is forgiving in your heart. And 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 then the second one is to go and rebuke and make things right. Hey, you hurt me. This is what you did to me, and this is how it feels. Give them my opportunity to repent and to turn and to make things right. Go to your brother. Tell them their faults. Forgive him. See, this will bring relational harmony and peace. See, reconciliation depends on whether or not the offender recognizes they are wrong, and they repent, they turn away from their wrong. See, Christian forgiveness is not just an inner peace. Like the world, the world teaches us that's a very therapeutic way of forgiveness. Of, of forgive and let go. Just let it go. You'll be okay. It's, a, it's all about your inner peace. But Christian forgiveness goes beyond the inner peace. 
It's concerned with the whole body, the community. It wants everyone to be restored together in harmony and peace. The relationship. You see, Christian forgiveness never undermines the pursuit of justice, but promotes it. It's the picture of the cross on display. You see, in the cross, Jesus forgives sin, and sin was punished. You see, in our forgiveness, when we forgive in the heart, and when we pursue reconciliation, we make things right. It's justice. You see, these two passages together, they give us the model for how we forgive others and how we can put on display the wisdom of God. Maybe you're like me, and you can forgive easily. If you hurt me, like, man, I forgive you, right? But maybe some of you are fighters. You want justice more than forgiveness. Let me remind you what Jesus said in the beginning of Luke 17. He says, pay attention to yourselves. Why does he do that? To look closely at yourself. He, he says it with such a warning um, because it's so easy for us to receive a heart of unforgiveness. Where bitterness can take root in envy and hatred towards one another. We need to be reminded that God was slow to anger with us. He covered our offenses at the cross. See, we live in such a society when forgiveness can mean so many different things. So let's talk about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Maybe you're thinking of that person who offended you or hurt you this past week. You see, if you waited until you feel like forgiving someone, you won't feel like forgiving that person because your feelings are hurt. See, Christians, we live by faith, not by our feelings, especially when they're hurt and we have been wrong. You see, forgiveness goes beyond the feelings. It's an act of the will. It seeks love. It covers the offense. It seeks justice. It seeks the relationship. It seeks restoration. You see, it is the willingness to not get even. It involves making a series of decisions. The first, to call on God. God, I need your wisdom. I need your grace. I need fresh forgiveness today so that way I can pursue reconciliation. You see, as he gives you more grace, you can choose to extend that grace to the person who has hurt you. See, God calls us to make these decisions regardless of our feelings. Secondly, forgiveness is not forgetting. We say things like, I just need some time to forget, and then I'll be able to forgive. See, I don't think God is calling us to erase the memories of the pain and the hurt that people have done against us. You see, the hurt that we have experienced is real. And the process of forgiveness and justice doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't just happen at the snap of a finger. It takes time. You see, forgiveness is an active process. It's not a passive process. It involves you making a conscious choice in your heart to forgive and take the initial steps, intentional steps, to seek reconciliation, to forgive in your heart that can confront your offender. You see, when God says that he will remember our sins no more, he is not saying he cannot remember our sins. He promises to not bring them up. He promises not to, not to give us a list to condemn us. To appeal a matter, Proverbs says, is to separate close friends. God doesn't want to be separated from you. He loves you. He wants an intimate relationship with each and every one of us.
You see, when God forgives us, he chooses not to mention, to recount, or think about our sins ever again. Therefore, as Christians, when we forgive and we have been reconciled to our offender, you can draw from God's grace and actively decide not to think or talk about that offense again. You can pursue reconciliation because it puts on the very wisdom of God on display. See, Proverbs 17, verse 9 tells us, he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Intimate friendships will go their separate ways when we decide to keep bringing up the past and telling others about the offense that took place. This is extremely hard, especially if the offense is still fresh in our minds. See, Proverbs 17 says the offense has occurred with someone that is already close to us, a friend, an intimate friend, like a spouse, a co-worker, a roommate, a sibling, a church member. See, when your spouse hurts you, do you go to your parents and you tell them everything that your spouse did to you? You see, when you do that, you're giving your parents an image of your spouse that was not an image they're supposed to have. They, be, they begin to look down upon your spouse, bad upon them. See, when your spouse go, hurts you, go to your spouse. Tell them their wrongs. If your roommate sins against you, you go to your brother. If he repents, you have gained your brother. You guys remember who said that? Jesus. And they're not willing to repent. That's when you bring someone with you. That's when you bring the, the godly counsel with you to seek reconciliation. You see, in some offenses that has wounded us deeply, like abuse, you have to tell somebody. Please tell someone. If, you, if you're being physically, verbally abusive, please tell someone. Please get help. See, Jesus teaches us if our brother doesn't repent, and they keep hurting us, we need to bring others alongside of us. Sometimes we need to separate close friendships. Remember, when we read Proverbs, they're not these magic formulas. They're not promises to hold on to. They're principles to live by. See, God wants wisdom to instruct our hearts to lead us to how to respond to others in our lives. And then finally, forgiveness is not excusing. See, to excuse an offense is to say, it's okay. It's no big deal. You see, when someone hurts you, it's not okay. See, covering an offense is different than excusing an offense. To simply say that it's okay can come across as saying that what you did wasn't really wrong at all. Or that you probably didn't mean to do that. You couldn't help yourself. You see, forgiveness is the opposite of excusing. The very reason that forgiveness is needed indicates that what the person did was unacceptable or inexcusable. See, forgiveness says we both know that what you did was wrong and without excuse, but since God has forgiven me, I choose to forgive you. It's like the story of Joseph. You guys remember Joseph? His father had 12 sons, but he loves Joseph, didn't he? And he made sure they knew it. He gave him a rainbow robe. He put it around him. And he's probably flaunting that robe. The brothers begin to be jealous. Joseph had this dream that everyone would bow down to him. His brothers would bow down to him. His, even his father, the stars, would bow down to him. 
His brothers didn't like that, did they? They put him in a pit. He wound up getting sold, brought to Egypt, working under Potiphar, and treated poorly with Potiphar's wife to try to seduce him. And he, he fleed from sin. And Potiphar put him into prison. And while he's in prison, he interprets the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker, doesn't he? And he tells the cupbearer, hey man, you're going to get your job back. And when you do, please remember me. Does the cupbearer remember him? Not at all. Again. <laughs> and then Pharaoh has this dream. He couldn't understand. No one could understand in all of Egypt. And then, they, and then it rung a little bell in the cupbearer's mind. Oh, there is this guy. I forgot about him. He brings him out. He cleans him up, presents him to Pharaoh. Joseph interprets his dream. There's going to be a famine in the land for seven whole years. So what you need to do, Pharaoh, he gives him this godly wisdom. You need to prepare for seven years for this, for this drought that's happened, this famine that's happened. And Pharaoh decides to put Joseph in charge. The famine does happen, but Egypt is the only nation with food and supplies. And guess who needed food? Guess who needed supplies? Joseph's brothers. They come to Joseph. They don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognized them. And he puts them to the test to see if there was true repentance in their hearts. And he provides for their needs. And he says, go and get my father and bring him back and come live with me. I want you guys to be reminded what happened after Jacob comes to Egypt. And Jacob is in Egypt. And, and, and then he dies. Take a look at what the brother says. The brothers are afraid. The brothers are afraid that Jacob's died. Now Joseph, he's going to remember our sin and he's going to punish us. So in Genesis chapter 50... Chapter 50, this is what Joseph said to them. He says, do not fear, for, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he confronted them and spoke kindly to them. What can we learn about this story? What can we learn about forgiveness? Forgiveness is not an opportunity, or justice is not an opportunity for us to be in the place of God. You see, Joseph understood that the evil that was caused upon him, God used it for good. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the evil that was done to you, that God can use it for good and for his purposes? We need a wisdom like Joseph. You see, forgiveness is a decision to counsel a debt, to absorb a debt. That's what Joseph did with his brothers. He absorbed the debt. He counseled the debt. That's what the king did to the unforgiving servant. He, he absorbed the debt. He counseled it. This is what makes forgiveness so hard. It's costly. I can't feel like you are choosing. It's, it's, it's almost you, you choosing to lose. You're choosing to die. It can feel like defeat. And in a sense, it is. Forgiveness is a decision to deny yourself and to, to make room for the grace and wisdom of God to do his work inside of you. 
I heard it once said that unforgiveness is the poison we drink, hoping that others would die. See, some of us think that by remaining angry, we're giving uh, our offender what they deserve. You see, the root of our unforgiveness is the deep root of bitterness and our longing for justice. We are angry and we want to see what was wrong made right. So question for you guys. Is the justice that you long for more like retribution or restoration? Do you want the one who caused the offense punished or restored? See, without forgiveness, there is no restoration. There's no restorative justice and righteousness. You see, the goal in God's justice is always to restore, to restore a person to the community, to not separate friendships, but to restore friendships. Forgiveness allows the offender to be brought back into the community. You see, without forgiveness, there's only retribution or isolation. The separation of friends. There's no true healing, no freedom. So you can forgive your offender and also be willing to break the relationship. It requires wisdom. Wisdom that only God can provide. Without your own vengeance getting in the way. Forgiveness is risky. It takes wisdom and courage. You see, the battle is, is, is for hearts. It's for your heart and your offender's heart. It's for souls. Church, we have a hope beyond this life, don't we? We have a love that transcends this physical reality in which we live. And we have a promise of justice that will make everything right again. You see, the more we believe this, that all of our sins are forgiven, they have been atoned for, and that we have been reconciled to the Father and to each other, that there is nothing that can separate us from his love. The more we will open up our hearts to forgive those who have sinned against us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done at the cross. That you forgave sin and you were punished for our sins. I'm reminded of what you said as you were being put on that cross. You lifted up your eyes to heaven and you said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. God, I pray that you forgive us when we choose to be angry when we choose to take vengeance, when we choose revenge over love. God, I pray that you will forgive us. I pray that you will work in our hearts. I pray that you remind us daily how much we have been forgiven. When the enemy reminds us of our sin, help us to be reminded of your blood that has the power to wash away all of our sins. Remind us of the blood that cleanses us, that makes us whole again. Reminds us, remind us of the blood that have made us new creations in Christ Jesus. God, as you remind us of your blood that was poured out for us, help us to go in boldness, in humility, in love, to seek to cover the offenses, the minor offenses, and give us wisdom for the, for the, for the major offenses in our lives. God, soften our hearts. We need you. We pray that you will hold us tight. Never let us go. Remind us there is nothing that can separate us from your love. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.